to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. Digital Transformation is about so much more than technology. It's about refocusing on people and value. It's about leveraging technology to build more meaningful relationships and enabling and empowering our associates, building engagement and giving them the tools and opportunity to do what they do best and even do it better. It's about culture, relationships, and tools that can unlock customer obsession in an organization. It drives innovation and responsiveness that propels your organization and delights your stakeholders, creating and building relationships founded on value, creation, and delivery. Welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. How's it going, Jack? It's going great, Jay. You know, we've got some awesome guests again today. We've got Yuri and Inger joining us. We're going to talk about HR stuff, and this is a pretty interesting episode, especially with uh, Yuri. He's a really colorful guy. We talked to him from his office in New York, and his air conditioning was on the fritz that day, so he had the window open. We're going to hear a little bit of city noise for those of you that might be missing that. And then uh, Inger is a really interesting conversation. You may recall we have a show where I talked about people using software for their HR stuff. Um, I was kind of assuming that they had an HR department. Inger's going to come and uh, take me to the mat and straighten me out on that. And it's a really uh, interesting show. And this is definitely, especially getting back to Inger a bit, is that this is something definitely everybody wants to tap into because Inger is a PEO strategic services consultant. And so she can really show people and work with businesses on really how to be able to maximize their benefit by whether that be their health insurance or workman's comps and really roll it all into a system being part of a big group and the value of a PEO. So I'm excited to hear more about that. Me too. So without uh, any further ado... Standing on Shoulders, a leader's guide to digital transformation, written by Jack Marr and Carmen Diardo. On behalf of everyone who tries to improve the business outcomes of the technology work we do every day, I applaud the efforts taken and the writing of this book so others can replicate their amazing outcomes. This book fulfills the promise of documenting their journeys and lessons learned and showing how the promise of creating world-class technology organizations can be within the reach of everyone. Gene Kim. Get your copy of Standing on Shoulders, A Leader's Guide to Digital Transformation at Amazon.com or at Barnes & Noble or at your favorite bookseller. Welcome to Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. Today we've got Yuri Kruman with us to talk about human resources and digital transformation. Welcome, Yuri. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me, uh, Jack and Jay. Can you tell our audience who you are and what exactly do you do? Sure. Um, So I do a mix of two things. I'm coming from the executive coaching realm, and I took a data set that I gained from several hundred clients to figure out why is it that the best talent is leaving even seemingly great companies. And then I started going to those same companies and saying, hey, guys, you're losing your best talent, and here's exactly why. So if you want to keep them, hire me as a consultant, and I will help you create the framework and you know implement the tools that need to happen in order for that talent to stay around longer and do their life's best work for you. 
What's the type of industries that you work with? Is there is there a specific type that you find is a niche for you, or do you feel like it's more along the lines of anybody that trying to manage their HR operation? I, I don't I don't have a strict focus necessarily, but by simple process of elimination, I think a lot of companies are drawn to me because I've worked in different industries. So I've worked in healthcare extensively, I've worked in tech quite a bit, and I've worked in finance. So you know those two plus kind of adjacent companies, plus those that think in a very kind of tech way, those are the companies that I generally end up working with. Do you work with their current HR department or do you actually operate as their HR department? Great question. So the usual way that I get to work with a company is because they don't really have much of an HR department to begin with. And what they end up reaching out to me for is really to help build that bridge before they hire a proper HR director or chief HR officer or VP of people talent. There might be any number of ways to call that position. But basically what I'm doing is I'm building the on-ramp for that person to come in and, and really manage something as opposed to having to build an infrastructure from scratch. So I'm, I'm so, the guy who builds that. You're the guy who builds that. Okay, so that so you're a consultant that comes in and, and helps create for small to mid-sized businesses. You become that, that operation for them or that segment of their business yeah that's that's exactly right it tends to be you know smaller to medium-sized companies those that don't have necessarily a very corporate feel or they've been built by a family and that family may be a family of entrepreneurs they may never have worked in a corporate context and they just feel exhausted from being involved in everything and having to put out fires. So they kind of get to the point where I need to outsource, I need to delegate, but you know, how do I do that? How do I build these systems when I've just been operating by the seat of my pants? So you just talked about the pain of, you know, what a business goes through, like a family inherited kind of business, if you would, that takes on something like, now what do I do with all this, right? What do you think is the advantage of, of, bringing the consultant to do the HR for a company versus saying, okay, well, let me just hire somebody to be an HR manager. What differentiates those things? So imagine that for any transformation, HR transformation is no different in this regard. You need a perspective from the outside and you need people on the inside to help. On the other hand, you need something from the top down, right? Meaning some sort of mission, vision, values coming from the top, but you also need people at the bottom, so to speak, right? The people on the front lines of the actual business to also contribute what they have, right? meaning you know, not, not just their actual operational role, but their story, right? So what happens here for this you know, transformation to be effective is you have to have a meeting from the bottom up and from the top down. And that's really what someone like myself, a consultant who comes with best practices from not just that particular industry, but from other best companies to work for, you know, in order for me to implement those best practices, right, certain things have to happen within the company. The first thing is alignment. This is, I think, something that is not discussed often as to why four out of five digital transformations are failures, right? The simplest reason is because the regular person in the company doesn't really understand because they're not communicated what is in this for me, right? Why am I having to use now another tool and another tool and, and to track more and, and to submit data? What what in the hell is all this for? What do I get out of this except a bigger nightmare, a bigger headache? 
right? And the way that I operate when I come in is say, okay, CEO, CEO, you built this company and you've built this with a certain culture. Let's say it's a family culture. But now you you really need to make people understand what's in it for them. It's not enough to give that Kool-Aid. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm bringing that message from the top down when the CEO, CEO, whoever built the company remembers why they did it. What is their mission? What is their vision? What are their values? They start to communicate that in, in a non-Kool-Aid kind of way by saying, hey, this is what's meaningful to me. And they also open up the conversation to hear from everybody in their company as to why they're here, what are they here to accomplish, right? How does their mission, vision, and values, how do those align with those of the company and team? And once those people are able to share and open those kind of spigots of information and stories, then you have a much richer material to work with. And then you can say, okay, well, if you want to move forward in this company, if you want to move along your career pathway, which by the way is this and this and this, if you want to get paid more, if you want to get a better title, this is what you have to do. First, you have to benchmark your performance. Let's understand what you're doing now and let's set goals. Then you start this process of normalizing things. You know where you're starting and you know where you're going. So you're not guessing that person is not in a vacuum as to why they're here or where they're going within the company. And then the rest of what happens with the transformation, meaning let's say better communication, better project planning, how to improve productivity, how to write a employee handbook, how to create a better onboarding process, and you know how, how to become more productive. That Those things fit very neatly into that person's career pathway. They fit very neatly into the transformation of the company. Those two things are aligned and all engines go. And that's what works. So do you deal with the front line then? So obviously the operations hires you, the management hires you, and they bring you as a consultant. So then when you talk to the management, do you then deal with the front line of the people? So you deal with the rank and file also and find out what their pains or pleasures are in this whole kind of scenario? Or how does that work? Yes, absolutely. There's there's a great uh, fable that uh, you hear in the Jewish context. Um, there's a king, and the king wants to marry off his son, but his son goes a little nuts. He he thinks he's a monkey, so he, he takes off his clothes and climbs under the table. So the king is distraught. He brings all these doctors and psychiatrists, and nobody can can cure the kid. And the, the king is just he doesn't know what to do. So one last doctor comes, and what does he do? He takes off his clothes and he pretends to be a monkey. He goes under the table with the son, and after a day, he says, listen, just because you're a monkey, you can't, doesn't mean you can't wear clothes. And the next day, he says, well, just because you're a monkey, you doesn't mean you can't sit at the table. The next day, well, this doesn't mean you can't hold silverware. So he cures him back to becoming his actual self. <laughs> and there's something in this, in this fable, and the fable is that if you really want to help somebody, you have to, quote unquote, go down to them. You have to be at their level. And you have to understand where they're coming from. That's the only way this kind of transformation can work. And that that's a, kind of what I do. That's a perfect sound effect that happened was the ambulance or the police car <laughs> that was going on in the background. That was, that was a perfect sound effect to exactly what you said. So, Jack, I'll flip it over to you. What's in it for me is something that anytime you ask someone to do something or do something differently, the first question, whether they you know really recognize it or not, but in their head – they're going to be asking themselves, what's in this for me? And so helping them to understand that upfront 
is incredibly helpful in helping them see it the way that you want them to see it, which hopefully you're using that for good and not evil. The other part that I, I wanted to dig in a little bit more was you talked a little bit about some of the job definitions and career paths and performance. Uh-huh. And I think those are all really important as we look at digital transformation. A lot of times companies feel like, okay, well, this is just really a technology thing. We're going to put these new tools in place. And that's our digital transformation, which is absolutely setting themselves up for failure because there are so many other parts of it that are so much more important than just the technology. And one of the things that I really wanted to touch on and and hopefully discuss a little bit is we need to restructure our organizations from the functional or vertical organizations that work completely appropriate for the industrial age. As we move into a digital age with more of a team approach, a lot more collaboration, enabling folks to be much more innovative by giving them the tools that empower them to do things that would have required management approval in the past, for example. So making this wholesale change, not only does it help with the transformation, but I think we also need to see what this means from an HR perspective as we move to a teaming approach. How do our performance evaluations have to change as we work in teams? You know, what does that career path look like, especially in a much flatter organization? Is that something that that's a part of your practice as well? Yeah, I mean, as, as I mentioned, I'm coming from the executive coaching side of things. So the career pathway is, is actually pretty foundational for all my work, because if right. a person has clarity on where they're going and what fits in there and what doesn't, then the team and the company also have a great tool for saying, okay, well, based on where you're going and what you're able to offer, let's put you on this project or let's put you on that project or let's put you on this team or that team, right? And even that variety alone, even even that ability to have an outsized impact within a short period of time on a project, that's excellent for performance reviews. That's great for morale. That's excellent for promotion timelines, for getting paid more, for achieving your career goals much faster. So those things are excellent for the company just as much because alignment means dramatically better work. It's higher productivity. It's helping somebody enter a state of flow regularly. And that's that's a win-win-win. Yeah, absolutely. So we've already found out why people need to hire you. We already found out the differences of the, you and the difference of like having an internal HR. So tell me about this a little bit, Yuri. So from your perspective, what's been your experience? And, you know, is there typical types of industries that generally use your services, if you would, or are they just do they run the gamut? They do run the gamut. Um, I mean, I, I myself in just my career have consulted companies, and this doesn't have to be necessarily from an HR perspective. It could be from a project management perspective or a business development or, you know, I've, I've worn all the different hats in my <laughs> in my career. But the, the themes that stand out are definitely around healthcare. They're around finance. They're around pretty heavily regulated industries. So there would seem to be very little room in which to operate. But in fact, when a company has, you know, when it's not too big and it has that ability to be relatively agile, that's when they tend to realize, okay, there's there's room to do something pretty big and transformational, even if it seems like we're under a lot of, you know, controls by the state government or federal. So that's that tends to be where I operate best. But of course, any tech company that 
has to compete for talent. And I mean, these days, in order to compete for top talent, there's there's a certain formula, but that formula doesn't include some kind of short-term perks, right? It's all about how much are you helping me to grow here as an employee? How clear is my career pathway? How quickly can I move through this? Especially if you're a millennial and you're seemingly in a hurry. Certain demographic trends, just based on what percentage of millennials there are in the workforce now, it's more than half by this point. And then Gen Z is is, is very similar in certain respects. So companies have no choice if they want to get the best talent, which is most likely to be millennial and Gen Z. They have to play by those rules. They have to understand the psyche and they have to deliver the things that really matter, not what they think matters. Right. Not the things that work for the baby boomers. Very different approach. Yep. And Gen X, same idea. Right. So how will folks get you? How, how can they find you to engage you? Um, two very simple ways. One is my consulting website. That's yurikruman.com, Y-U-R-I-K-R-U-M-A-N.com. And my other site, this is more toward the coaching side of things, is masterthetalk.com, M-A-S-T-E-R-T-H-E-T-A-L-K.com. Thank you very much, Yuri. I know this is a really important part and something that frequently gets lost in the shuffle when the technologists run the transformation program. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Jack. Hi, this is Andrew Kingery with the Whitestone Consulting Group. In the next 60 seconds, I want to inspire you to be more intentional and effective at creating value. I'm covering the 20 laws that govern value creation two at a time. The law of trade-offs says choosing your offer means others give up choosing something else. Having a great solution is not enough to create value. You need to know whether people will readily give up what is necessary to get what you offer. So test whether others will give up what is necessary to gain your creation. Until this happens, value won't be created. The law of losses says that losses loom larger than gains. When given a choice, people will always choose to avoid a loss first rather than seeking to maximize a gain. Double what they are giving up and you'll have a more accurate empathy for their situation and be more effective at creating a value exchange. I'm Andrew Kingery, and this is Two Laws of Value Creation in 60 Seconds. If you want to learn more, head over to valuepractitioner.com. Are you leveraging social media in your integrated marketing campaign? LinkedIn has the richest demographics on the planet, enabling you to connect with and build relationships with an audience that is probably looking for you. Let's use a laser focus and get right to the point. We can advise you every step of the way or even do it for you. Drive growth through high-quality personal relationships with your prospects and clients the way you've always wanted to. You can find us at standingonshouldersmedia.us or Click on the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Digital Transformation. This is Jack Marr and Jay Mana. Today, we've got Inger Middlebrooks joining us. She's going to tell us about PEOs and correct me where I was wrong earlier. Thanks for joining us today, Inger. 
and it's time to take me to the mat. <laughs> That's quite all right. It's a pleasure pleasure being on the show as well, and thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Jay, just for some context, I had uh, previously said, as you know, you've heard me talk about Workday many times, and I've talked about how small businesses should use software as a service, as a way of aligning their resources appropriately. And I am here to go to the woodshed today because I was wrong. I had a very narrow view of who would be listening to us. I was thinking about folks that had full-blown HR departments that just didn't need to own their own software. But as we've talked since, we're really looking to help folks that don't even maybe have an HR department yet. And so just putting a software solution was a pretty short-sighted approach. So that's why I've asked Inger to join us today. Right on. Thanks for that, Jack. Hey, so Inger, what exactly is a PEO? PEO stands for Professional Employer Organization. It's simply a co-employment model, a construct that allows for a large company to share their FEIN number to smaller companies who will then be able to gain a competitive advantage by leveraging their economies of scale to access private benefits, other tools and resources, and in this case, an all-in-one HR solution, all-around tool and solution that will help that small business to really gain access to tools and resources and benefits that they would otherwise not have access to at their size. So that would encompass their payroll, their their benefits, like you talked about, workman's comp yeah. possibly, right? Um, Absolutely. For, for that. And then also, too, the distribution of the paycheck. So is the PEO considered the, the main employer? Is that how that works? The PEO is the employer, and then all these other groups are part of that whole unit, or they fall under that EIN number? That's a great question. For all things HR, they are the employer of record that purpose. So the company uh, will still be the provider of the resources and the work location and pay their employees, hire them, let them go, whatever the case may be. They are the ones that are driving the bus in terms of their corporate culture and hiring the people that they want. The PEO is just there to support that business from the HR standpoint. So for that purpose, on a W-2, the employees will see W-2 that will be co-branded with the PEO's name and headquarters, as well as their company that they physically are hired to work for. I know a lot of uh, business people listening in today, they're definitely going to, their ears are going to be parked up here. Is there a minimum size employer group that would qualify for a PEO or is it just anybody that has an EIN number? There is no minimum size depending on the industry. One of the things that Certain PEOs, there are about 900 PEOs or more across the United States. They handle more companies here domestically, but there are others that have international services. Within the 900, there are the top 5% of them that also offers uh, specific services, but by industry. And in that case, they are verticalized or they specialize by industry. Depending on the industry of the company, There are some, in some cases, some PEOs do allow for minimum requirements. For example, if it's a tech-based company, it could be one person, just the owner, and that's it. As they hire more people, then they can grow as they scale. If it's a professional services business, some PEOs require that it has to have at least two people or more. But yes, there's the specialty there. 
expect small businesses are able to access these services, whether they have one employee all the way up to thousands, enterprise level. So when someone comes to you, are they generally coming to you like a small employer, for example? They're looking at saying, hey, how do I get maybe some health insurance? Is it more of a workman's comp kind of thing? With small people, you know, they can write their own paychecks for the most part, I would imagine. So is there a traditional theme you see coming in? The traditional theme is quite often benefits because that's something that the smaller employer does not have access to at the lower rates for the national carriers. So uh, if they needed to provide benefits for the top talent that they need to attract, they would have to go to the uh, AffordableCareAct.org site and then look up medical benefit plans there. But when they leverage a PEO, they're able to get access to the large group rate as well as the fact that those PEOs have pre-negotiated rates directly with the carriers. So in that regard, the uh, employer then has access to wider benefits, more extensive plans, richer benefits, but at lower rates. So that typically is the trend, but it, it differs. It, it really can be a mixed bag of things. Sometimes it's the infrastructure that they need in place because they just don't have the time to focus on all the uh, what we call HR administrivia, if you will, with running a business. They want to focus on what matters most, growing their business and developing their products, services. So it could be a mix, mix bag. Okay, great. I th- thank you for that. I appreciate you, you know, clearing a lot of that up for. Along sort of the same lines, I feel like we might have a real growing need as we think about the gig economy. Folks have been predicting that for a long time, and, and certainly this digital transformation that's happening, we're going to see even more of that. Are, are those the folks also that would be coming to you? Maybe they are 1099 across multiple companies. Some folks are quitting what they're doing so they can do their own thing. Uh, are those good folks to come to you? Maybe they're done with COBRA or, you know, how would that compare? Well, let's step back a second. That is a great point because a lot of entrepreneurs, first-time entrepreneurs, they've worked for a company in the past and they decided to jump in the deep end and, and take a chance on themselves, invest in their own future and decide to start their own business. Right. Uh, in that case, those individuals could be, uh, they could have been previously consultants or moved forward towards having a consultant business. So we do have a segment in the PEO industry that handles just professional services that will provide those types of services for consultants and other single or or sole proprietors, if you will. Some of the businesses are, uh, they range, the restaurant, could be technology companies, it could be a dealership, any number of industries, even nonprofits. There's no industry that a PEO cannot cover in terms of providing the access to the private exchange of benefits and HR infrastructure, dedicated support uh, that they need, and most importantly, compliance guidance and risk mitigation. So that's incredibly important for a small business owner. They typically will come out the gate looking for a solution, and they may use uh, typically a, a a solution with regard to going to a broker and maybe having a payroll provider. Maybe they get their workers comp through one of the other national carriers like Hartford. But that approach is typically what's considered in the industry as a multi-vendor approach. And that can be quite time-consuming for a new business owner. While they need to navigate all those relationships, 
a PEO brings everything together in one platform uh, without them having to cobble that together for them. So it really saves them a lot of time and effort. Absolutely, and avoid the risk of missing something because you don't know what you don't know. Kind of gets back to the conversation you and I had yesterday, Jay. Just because I have Photoshop doesn't make me a graphic designer. Absolutely. That's totally the truth. I got another question back at you, if I can, just to tag on to that. We talk to a lot of people about what they're looking at, and they're, they're always expressing that concern about, hey, it's hard for me to get benefits, and I don't understand how to go through the Affordable Care Act thing. I need someone to walk me through it. If they do it through the PEO, is, done, is it like a done-for-you kind of scenario, or they still have to go through registrations and everything like that? Very good question. They do need to set up their business on their own. Uh, we do not give them advice on how to set up their business, but naturally we work with all types of structures, LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, and so forth. Bottom line is they would need to go through the initial process of getting their business set up, but we do have affiliations or alliance partners, especially with the larger PEOs that are nationally recognized, like the one that I work with. They have a lot of contacts that they can help that business owner navigate through those uncharted waters and give them advice. Uh, naturally, a business owner can go through the Chamber of Commerce, their uh, small business administration in their local area. Uh, those resources are always available. Certainly, as a consultant, I'm a services consultant and a PEO specialist. I am there to help them get those initial questions answered. But certainly when it comes down to making the decision about what type of business structure they should start and how to get that registered, we can give them some general guidance, but certainly there's lots of resources that are out there as well. Once they are set up with their registration, whether typically I find a lot of business owners register in Delaware and other states that are really employer-friendly, once they're set up, sometimes those companies come to us before they even have their FEIN number established, and that's fine. Uh, we can work with them and give them initial information. But for the most part, there are lots of alliance partners that the larger PEOs will have access to that can help that business owner in so many different areas. For example, if they are a technology-based company, they may be able to take advantage of co-working spaces and alliance partnerships with PEOs with co-working spaces. VCs, accelerators, incubators, a lot of resources out there for those folks. And then, of course, there's attorneys, employment lawyers. We have a cadre of those alliance partners and brokers that even bring business to us because they just don't have the capacity to write the business for those small business owners on their behalf. So they'll bring, they'll refer company business owners to us as well. The bottom line is we want to help small business owners navigate those waters, help them to understand what's the best way to approach it to minimize any risk to their startup or their mid-sized business, even if they've been established for years. I have tons of businesses that have been around for a long time, but they may have worked with contractors, 1099 contractors, and decided, you know what, now it's time for me to make that transition. Let me hire these folks so that I can really work on engaging my clients in a much better fashion with more consistency. So what do I need in order to get those folks on board? I need rich benefits and an infrastructure that's in place that will support that growth. And that's why PEOs are so beneficial to small to mid-sized business owners. 
Thank you again. You're welcome. You're welcome. That makes a ton of sense. It totally aligns with not investing your capital dollars into things that aren't differentiating or competitive advantage, rather to operationalize that. Thank you for completing that picture for us, Inger. I'm going to have a link to reach out and and connect with you uh, for folks that want to learn more. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to leave with us before we move on? I would just say that the most important thing for business owners is to make sure that if they're going to work with a PEO, the PEO that I work with, Trinette, they've been ESAC accredited for many years. You want to make sure that they are ESAC accredited, ESAC accredited. You want to make sure that they are aligned with the National Association of PEOs. That's the governing body that governs their fiduciary responsibility and fiscal responsibility to clients. And you want to also make sure that they have a, a solid HR team, dedicated HR team, to align with their business needs as they scale. The benefits are going to be rich. In some cases, with smaller PEOs, they may have access to only broker benefit programs, but that's fine, too. But then the larger ones have direct purchasing power with all the national carriers, which is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Those bundle services are going to be important so that you can really have a forecastable model that will take you through those first critical years of your business without having to worry about are these numbers going to change uh, constantly. So those are things to think about, and I'm more than happy to help anyone with just getting some information and helping educate them on the PEO industry as a whole. Many times, it may not be a time for the business to start with a PEO, And I will be more than open to telling them, hey, you know what? This may not be the right time now, but let's talk about what we can do to get you ready for that process, that time frame. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. Thank you you very much, Ingrid. This has been Digital Transformation with Jack Marr and Jay Mata. We sure appreciate you spending your time with us today. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.